Jalen Ramsey. He's taking his talents to South Beach. The Dolphins are acquiring the star cornerback. A dazzling interception from Jalen Ramsey. We can do some, some special things. We could be elite. And you got old school Vic Fangio coming to South Beach, and I absolutely love it. You're going to have to pass it against me. You know why? Because that offense is score. This puts Miami in the conversation to have a chance to win the AFC title if they all stay healthy. The sky's the limit for this football. I love this team. They can win a Super Bowl. You know, the Dolphins were nearly an unstoppable offensive force to begin last season. We'll talk more on them in just a moment. As we say hello, welcome into NFL Live. You see me, the Kimes, and Jeremy Fowler, and plus... Our special guest, I call him the king of Ohio football. He's Andrew Hawkins, NFL wide receiver, starred for both the <laughs> Browns and the Bengals. Some call him also a Patriots legend. We can discuss that later around the show. Good to have you here, my friend. Good to be here. It's good to be back. Great to have you back. You're hanging out both today and tomorrow. But we're going to go back to Miami and go back to Tua specifically, who's continuing his rehab this offseason. A little surprising, but Tua's injury issues seemingly don't stem from his volume of hits. He was contacted in just 12.7% of his dropbacks last season, the second lowest rate quarterback. But despite that relatively low contact rate, we know that Tua suffered more than a few injuries last year. That forced him to miss four regular season games and, of course, was unable to play the Dolphins' first playoff game in over five seasons. Former NFL quarterback Michael Vick weighed in on Tua's offseason. I just think he got, he's got to bulk up a little bit, get a little bit bigger, get stronger. You know, you, as you as you grow into your man body, that's what that's what needs to happen. Ain't nothing wrong with picking up another ten pounds, fifteen pounds to handle the pounder. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I mean, that's those the things that you got to learn as you go through this process of playing quarterback. It ain't easy. Nah. You don't get hit. Yeah, that's the biggest. You don't thing. get knocked around when you walking. When you wake up on Sunday mornings, Monday mornings, and Thursday mornings, you know. You got to sacrifice for the team. That was Vic actually talking to uh, Tua's teammate right there, Tyree Hill. But Hawks, do you think that Tua needs to bulk up to for, for this upcoming season? And a short answer, absolutely not. If okay. you've ever seen Tua in person, he is actually very stout. Mm. Like, actually, I went to the offseason practice this year, and I'm like, wow, he has a he's built like a MLB catcher. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so I don't think adding 10 to 15 pounds actually is going to make Tua more aerodynamic. I think it'll be the opposite. Now for Michael right. Vick who was extremely dynamic. He ran a 4-2, and he had a frame that could put on 10-15. to 15. Yeah. It makes sense. For Tua, absolutely not. He runs a 4-9. And I don't know anybody that puts on 15 pounds and gets faster. So for him, I think evading tackles and being able to move actually will help lessen the blows that he takes at the quarterback position. Also, as concussions have been the problem. Adding weight does not help you limit concussions. Yeah, so Mina, I know we've been talking a lot about Tua's health, but there's some things specifically on the field yeah. that you think he needs to change as far as his sort of mentality or way he goes about playing at quarterback. Yeah, we spent so much time talking about the injury concerns. A lot of those are out of his control. What he and the staff there in Miami can control is, I think, how they address some of the issues that the offense ran into last year at the end of the season, especially when defenses were specifically keyed in on taking away the middle of the field. Some of those core concepts, RPOs, play action, they ran to such great effect earlier in the season. Between the numbers on throws less than 20 yards, Tua Tagovailoa was the best quarterback in football, mm. number one in QBR. Outside the numbers, again, under 20 yards, that drops to 25th. Now, some of that is his skill set as a quarterback 
Uh, his strengths are his anticipatory throws, his quick release, his accuracy. He doesn't have that power arm, so he's always going to be a little bit worse throwing outside the numbers. However, I also think there are things that this offense can do to create space in the flats, on outs, use those speedy wide receivers they have that I think will force defenses to respect that part of the field so that they don't run into the same issues they saw at times at the end of last year. It helped them out a little bit schematically, it sounds like there. But, Hawk, let's go back just to the concussions here for a second because not many of us can speak from experience, but you unfortunately yeah. can speak from experience. What's it like coming back from a concussion? What's that rehab process like? And what's it like mentally when you know that you're one hit away from being back into a literally very dark place? Absolutely. I, I think when you think about concussions, and it seems very just you know, run-of-the-mill from a fan's perspective, it is absolutely a very scary experience. And I think more than that, I had a season where I had two concussions in one season, mm. and I had to rehab just like I had to rehab any other injury. The brain had to rehab like you have to rehab knees, and I went and seen Dr. Michael Collins, who is essentially the Dr. Andrews is for knees for concussions, and there were exercises. I had to travel back and forth to Pittsburgh, and more than anything, to your point, you have to get over a mental hurdle. You have to feel like you're okay, and you really can't speed up that process until you're confident in the amount of time that you've given yourself to rehabilitate, but also to go out there and give your best on the field in the same version of the player that you were pre-injury. Yeah, so I've checked in with somebody in Miami on Tua this offseason. I'm told he's been completely cleared from any sort of concussion issue, so he's got a full slate of offseason health. Uh, he's been working on the jujitsu process where everybody involved from the team to the player have been pleased with the results. He feels like when he falls after taking a sack that he can protect his neck and head area a little bit better. And on the leadership front, I'm told two is a really positive. He's been in practices to the point where he would stop the action and talk directly to the entire offense. I was told from a source there that that's something he wouldn't have done two years ago. So he feels more emboldened now. Everything is in place for him if he can stay on the field for 17 games. I find the jujitsu side of this so fascinating. And here's what Tua himself had to say about those new training methods. Quote, with jujitsu, I've been thrown airborne. I've been put in many uncomfortable positions for me to learn how to fall and try to react throughout those positions that I'm getting thrown around it. All right, so Tua doing jujitsu got us thinking about some unconventional ways to train during the NFL offseason. And who better than Hawk to break down the five craziest NFL workouts? And I say who better because there was a time that mm. before threads, this might have been like Vine territory. Threads? You went yeah. viral oh, yeah. for your workout videos because you might have the quickest feed in the entire world. I absolutely was the quickest human being on earth at okay. one point in time. I truly believe that. Um, and in that video, the thing that makes me an expert on this is because that wasn't actually a part of my workout. Okay. It was strictly that was for the virality. Oh. Straight views, straight clicks, straight follows. That's Let's not, get, get, you're, that's, uh, how fast is that sped up? It was just, it was a, it was a show no, that's off. like 1.5, like I listened to my podcast on. That is real time, baby. Don't, wow. There's no speed need okay. to be put on the video. All right, so let's get into the, the, the five-person countdown. Number one, we're going to start with James Harrison. Okay. Volleyball, medicine ball. A lot to ball. choose from with him. A lot to choose from. He does a lot of ridiculous, wacky off-season workouts. And the theme here is that none of it actually helps. Okay? Now, he's, he's literally throwing volleyball with a sure. medicine ball. Yes, he is throwing a, uh, a medicine ball on a volleyball sand pit. And, again, it is impressive. Yes. Does it do anything for football? Not sure. Not sure. Scary. He still Absolutely. trains, by the way. Absolutely. That's his He's lifestyle. been retired for like three years. These videos go viral every two weeks. Yeah. Next up, we have Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, workout with knives. Now, 
the thing about this one that scares me most is that even if these knives were real, which I think they're they are not. Okay. Good. Um, the person holding them is still at disadvantage if it was actual if it was an actual fight here. So this is Aaron Donald <laughs> evading knives. I don't know when in any situation in the NFL game someone's going to be holding knives, but that actually might be the best way to stop Aaron Donald. The only way. The only way. Maybe that's what he was trying to get ready for in the future when they actually change the rules to allow offensive linemen to use knives. Did he have fire on as well at one point? Or I, I might be making that up. I don't know. It's Aaron Donald. I wouldn't put it past him. And me either. And again, Aaron, if you're watching this, don't be mad at me. Field made me put that video up there. All right, next up we have Derrick Henry doing chain push-ups. Now, this is like crossing over into the dangerous lane. This is why it's yeah. number three. I could see the benefit to this. He's on a stability ball with his feet. He has the band yep. to kind of show the balance and strength that you need. It's the chain around the neck for me mm. that I'm like, you know what? Now, that seems unnecessary. I can't but find the cool. value there. It, it looks, looks cool. very cool. Yeah. Common theme with all these, lots of views. Lots of clicks, yeah. lots of followers. That trainer behind him also worked worked out, it looks like. That, that guy is huge. Come on, man. You can't go viral without the shirt off. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know those. Things. It's viral workout one-on-one. Next up, Alvin Kamara pulling a car. Have you seen this one? I have not seen one. One of my favorites. So, I think in Wait, this one, he has not only a squat rack oh. on his shoulders. This is old school. Too. He's also pulling a Jeep Wrangler. And it is old school. You know why? Because this is 2018. This is pre-Alvin Kamara contract. And I like this one because... You put this one out there to influence the team to show how much you've been working, ah, how much that. you've been doing. It also is a representation of what he was doing for the Saints offense at that time, which was putting him on back, putting him on his back. All right, yep. number one. Number one. More Saints. More Saints. And more than Saints is Jameis Winston. He and is the, the specific best. workout. The best. Pretty much anything Jameis Winston ever does in life. There's been a lot of funny football players. Spice Adams is a former NFL player. Lou Young. Hilarious. Nobody is funnier than Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston isn't trying to be funny. So we right. were going through these, and there was like 20 videos we had to file down to put on here. I mean, he's – he's Jameis – I'm not even sure Jameis Winston isn't a cartoon character. That's he might be. how funny he is, and his workouts prove that as well. We have no proof otherwise, Mina. <laughs> what stands out is three of these guys, Henry, Donald, and Harrison, are maybe the most intimidating players in the NFL. Yep. So they probably come up with, like, these wacky ideas. No one in their life is going to say no to them. Like, no, Aaron Donald, <laughs> that doesn't actually help. Or James Harrison, we ain't playing with medicine balls. They can do whatever they want if people will go along with it. Seriously. Uh, I, 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 yeah, these guys can do no wrong in my yeah. book. Jameis, though, God, you are just the absolute best. I want more videos from you, Jameis. Please put them on threads or Instagram or whatever sometime soon. By the way, Hawk's going to do some of these uh, workouts a little bit later on in the shows. We are just getting started here on NFL Live. And after coming off one of the worst seasons of his career, can Deshaun Watson bounce back and prove he's the guy in Cleveland? Here what changes Mina thinks need to be made on the offense. Plus, Jordan Reed joins us to discuss this 2024 NFL mock draft. It's going to be another elite quarterback class, and he will bring it all down. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. One of the biggest things that this city wants is to be able to have that parade at the end of the year. So that's the ultimate goal, have this city rocking. Watch up on the pipe. Cooper's wide open. Building that confidence and get back to Deshaun Watson, and that's, that's the key. We have guys that want to come in here and work. You know, you just got to get the ball in these guys' hands and let them make plays. Oh, what a Having an opportunity to get in that playoffs, and then once we get in that, then anything can happen. Safe to say that Deshaun Watson was a bit rusty once returning from his suspension in Week 13 last year, as he posted career-low marks in practically every category across the board. The Browns averaged only 16.3 points per game in Watson's start, over a full touchdown less than when Jacoby Brissett was starting prior to that. Somehow, though, Cleveland managed a three-and-three record in Watson's start. So. You know, let's talk about the changes in this offense. Things should be better this year. We can't expect a repeat of last season. But what kind of changes should the offense make to be better this season? Yeah, uh, you know, Watson looked rusty. There's things he obviously has to do better, accuracy, confidence, all of that. But I also think that the offense needs to evolve to accommodate uh, and I I would say amplify his skill set. So Kevin Stefanski's scheme prior to Watson arriving and the, uh, it, based on the lineage he comes from is that under center, wide zone, run mm. game, play action off of that. Watching Watson, uh, his starts last year, didn't look comfortable uh, under center. And I wouldn't be surprised this year if they tilt more towards putting him in the gun, pistol, spreading things out, getting him in empty more often, trying to recreate a lot of the magic we saw in Houston. Now, my one concern about that was, well, this run game has been so dominant with Nick Chubb, you know, uh, with the prior scheme. But I went and looked to see how Nick Chubb has done running out of the gun, and folks, still dominant <laughs> last year. Uh, first in guards for Kerry, first in rushing over expectation, rushes over expectation for Kerry. Third in EPA, Nick Chubb is good at everything. A little surprise there. So I think they can make adjustments to make the offense better for Watson without sacrificing any of what Nick Chubb does really well. Absolutely, Mina. I completely agree. And and you're right. Nick Chubb is the foundation of this offense. He's the best running back in the league, in my opinion. But for Deshaun Watson, you've committed this huge contract. And to your point, Mina, a year ago, he was trying to operate within this offense that Kevin Stefanski has run whenever Jacoby Brissett was under center, or even Baker Mayfield, who today, ironically, is the anniversary of the year they traded him away. But this is not the same player that Deshaun Watson is. He needs the leash taken off of him, and him trying to play within that conservative system made him a conservative quarterback. You're right. They got to get him in spread. They got to get him in shotgun. They got to let him dig into the abilities that made him a great quarterback in the first place and why you committed such a risky contract to him. They went and got Elijah Moore, which will help them become more vertical down the field. But you're right. They still have to run the football with Nick Chubb. 
Yeah, this is a very popular topic league-wide when I talk to teams about the fit between Watson and Cleveland. Do they mesh? Well, I asked somebody with the team on this, and I was told that they're going to evolve with each other, Stefanski and Watson, that Stefanski is actually eager to experiment, that he isn't put in just a box of having to play a rigid under center, two tight end set formation, that they will mix it up. They'll get it out of shotgun. They'll get it under center. They can run the quarterback off of either run, play action with all of it. I was told Deshaun Watson actually likes playing under center despite his background of shotgun. It's just he was rusty last year. So he's looked a lot better this offseason. They've been really pleased with where he's at in relation to a year ago. They just said once training camp comes, he needs to start to put all that together, which they expect. A lot of pressure there in the AFC North, though, just because if you look around the division, there are no bad teams. As a matter of fact, Cleveland is a good team and still could conceivably finish third or fourth in that division with both Cincinnati and Baltimore looking like AFC heavyweights this season. Hey, plenty more coming your way here on NFL Live with Caleb Williams at his heels. Kyler Murray has more to prove in Arizona than ever before. Hear why Hawk says the number one question mark surrounding Kyler is his leadership, not his talent. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. What a lineup we have for you starting tomorrow night on ESPN with the NBA Summer League debut of number one pick Victor Wembanyama, of course, from the Spurs, against number two pick Brandon Miller in the Hornets. Saturday night, the UFC 290 main card begins at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific on pay-per-view. Monday night, the Home Run Derby. From Mina's Town, Seattle is on ESPN, ESPN2. And then, of course, Wednesday night, the 31st, ESPYs are on ABC. Back on NFL Live, we continue on with our off-season series, as told by Adam Schefter, by taking a closer look at the Arizona Cardinals, a team with perhaps as many questions as answers in 2023. This season's biggest loser could turn out to be its biggest winner. And as much as it appears that Arizona may live through the upcoming season, it is well-positioned for the upcoming offseason. The Cardinals currently are scheduled to have 10 picks in the 2024 NFL Draft, including six in the first three rounds. According to ESPN Analytics, the Cardinals have the best chance to get the number one pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Let's go! And the Texans have the second best chance. And the Cardinals have the Texans pick anyway. 104 and a 24 first. Four for three straight up. The Arizona Cardinals have traded the third pick 
to the Houston Texans. Courtesy of this past April's trade that sent the third overall pick to Houston so it could select Will Anderson Jr. So, the Cardinals could potentially wind up with the number one and number two picks in the 2024 draft, which would allow them to pick USC quarterback Caleb Williams at one. Fighters, touchdown. That's how you finish business. And Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. at two. To the end zone, caught, touchdown, Marvin Harrison Jr. Arizona will have plenty of hardships this season, but it couldn't be any better position for the next offseason. Ooh, interesting stuff there. According to the ESPN analytics, there isn't much to look forward to with the Cardinals this season. They are projected to win just 5.7 games, which is almost a full win less than any other team in the league. As a matter of fact, how about this? Our analytics team has Arizona as underdogs in all 17 games on the schedule. They're the only team in the NFL to not be FBI favorites in at least one of their games. Uh, as mentioned by Shefty there, Jeremy, obviously Kyler Murray is a question mark for this team yeah. this season, but what's the latest as it pertains to Kyler's rehab and also that contract he signed last offseason? Yeah, Murray has an uphill battle to be ready. Week one coming off the ACL. Seems more likely he'd be ready for the next month or two after that, so maybe by the mid-season point. I'm told he had a good offseason with the team. He was in the building a lot. He was encouraging. Seemed to turn a new leaf around the new regime and players, so that was considered a good sign in Arizona. And this is very much a trial period once he gets back on the field because the Cardinals have stockpiled a ton of draft picks. They'll probably try to stockpile more. But they could have a Caleb Williams or a top quarterback staring at them, but Murray's contract is hard to get out of. It's not impossible, but there is a ton of dead money attached to it over the next two years. And so it's plausible that both sides could try to make something work beyond this year, but certainly he's got to show the commitment that he's ready to be there. What's a $45 million cap hit in today's NFL, Jeremy? We just saw Green Bay do that. Doesn't mean anything to these teams anymore. Um, Arizona is a fascinating team this year. The best case scenario with Kyler Murray's return midseason, let's say that, is that he does play well, but that the team is still bad enough to retain that high pick, and hopefully the Houston pick is high for them as well so that they have an option, that they can either trade those picks for a boatload, and it will be a boatload of assets, hold on to Murray, or trade Murray and get a decent return back because he has shown that he has improved. I I think where it gets sticky, though, is that all the goals that they have, and there's a bunch of different ones, might be in conflict with each other. Like, we could be a situation where Kyler Murray is playing them out of that draft pick, Mm. and... That's where this kind of gets sticky because there could be mixed incentives on the same team at the end of the season. What a compelling team that might not be very good. Let's talk more about Kyler, though, Hawk, because the allure of Caleb Williams is real now. It's going to be even more real next April. Mm-hmm. But Mina did mention maybe they could just hold on to Kyler Murray and build around him and trade that number one or high pick for a boatload of assets. What can Kyler do to prove that he is the quarterback for this job? I think the number one thing Kyler can do is prove that he is a leader. That's what they're looking for in Arizona. Like, from an ability standpoint, we know he has ability. He is 5'10 with Timberland boots on, and that comes from another vertically challenged (laughs) NFL player. You cannot ascend as a number one quarterback, first overall pick, and a a second contract if you are not him, if the kids are still saying that. Mina would know better than me. What they're looking for in Arizona is leadership. You've seen the risk with him with coaches. You've seen it on the sidelines. We saw the go watch game film clause. And yeah, it was ridiculous to be in a contract. But the bigger message was that we have 
problems trusting you as a leader and being the face of this franchise and someone that our whole team can rally around. This year is going to be a tough season. Mm -hmm. What they want from him is to show you are a leader even in those times. And it's a great test, right? Being asked to lead through what we all, we, everybody, when we put up that number where they're favored in zero games, I don't think anyone was shocked. This roster is barren. It's going to be challenging for everyone in the building. But if Kyler can show up and demonstrate the sort of leadership you're alluding to, help them rebuild that culture. I think back to the Lions when they were losing with Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, still maintaining that culture in the building. Now it falls upon Jonathan Gannon and Kyler. If he can show that, I think it would go a long way, not just in Arizona, but in terms of his reputation around the league. Yeah, the team would obviously never say they are tanking publicly, but if they do struggle this year, what a time to do it, not just because of the quarterbacks and next year's draft class, but because basically every other team in the league is kind of trying to go for it this year. There's something to be said for zigging when the rest of the league is zagging. And, of course, 2024, the draft is just around the corner. And Jordan Reed released his first mock draft for next season. And he sees the Cardinals selecting both the first and second overall players, taking Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. He sees Drake May be the Buccaneers' choice at number three with Olu Vashanu out of Penn State. And Florida State, Jared Verse, rounding out the top five. And who better to hear from on this mock than Jordan Reed himself. And let's welcome him in. And let's specifically focus in on those quarterbacks that the Cardinals may get a chance to look at very closely. Jordan, start us off with the obvious pick at number one, Caleb Williams out of USC. Yeah, there's two words to describe Caleb Williams, and it's smooth and special. Those are the two words that I use to describe him. He's everything that you want at the quarterback position. 42 touchdowns to only five interceptions a season ago. Ended up winning the Heisman Trophy. He has pocket awareness. He's a wizard inside and outside of the pocket. But what makes him special and what his superpower is, is his ability to make everything right when the offensive coordinator even calls the wrong play. That's what makes Caleb Williams so special. He has the arm strength that you look for. He has the command and the poise that you love to see. And he's also an underrated athlete, too. Ten rushing touchdowns last year, so he can be a plus one in the run game as well with quarterback design runs. The next quarterback that has scouts buzzing right now is North Carolina quarterback Drake May. 38 touchdowns to seven interceptions last year. Very strong arm. Outstanding downfield throw with 63 passes last year of 20-plus air yards, which ranked him in the top ten in the country last year. Scouts want to see him get a little bit better with his, with his progression patience in the pocket. Feels as if he exits the pocket a little bit too prematurely. So let's see if he makes that adjustment now with new offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey in place. And then the last quarterback that I want to talk about is Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers. And he's a fascinating study this year just because he's a player that a lot of people are really intrigued by. But you watch him against Alabama in the first half before he suffered the injury. He looked like a number one overall pick candidate. But you go and t- turn on the tape of him against Oklahoma State, he looks like an undraftable player. So he has to find that common ground of consistency. But under the tutelage of Steve Sarkeesian, uh, a coach that has undergone players like Tua Tungavailoa as well as Matt Jones, He's the next one in line. So let's see if he can put it all together this year and prove that he. Oh, man, timing is everything in life. And Jordan was about to wrap up anyways. We thank him for his expertise on those quarterbacks. We'll have plenty more from Jordan over the next eight or so months leading up to the draft, 10 or so months. I can't even count. Mina, what are your thoughts on this upcoming quarterback class? It is exciting. It it really is. I I think with Caleb Williams and Drake May, it – you all, I won't be surprised if they're actually really close by the end of this process. But with Williams, I guess the best thing I can say is normally when I hear people comping anyone to Patrick Mahomes, I immediately walk away and, or, 
throw something at the TV. But it's the correct comp for him. Yeah. The off-platform throwing ability, the creativity, the twitchiness inside the pocket, the escapability outside of pocket, the magic. It, it is Mahomesian. He is not as Obviously, he's got a very long way to get there, and there's consistency questions and all of that. But he is a very, very special prospect, and we are going to talk about him a lot. Okay, I owe the viewers because I just screwed up on how many months away the NFL draft is. I said eight first, then ten. Here's some specifics for you. 42 weeks from today in Detroit, the 2024 <laughs> NFL draft will kick off. We'll find out who's taking Caleb Oof. Williams number one overall. Hey, coming up, Justin Fields had no help in Chicago last season, but with all the options and moves they've made, we see a bounce back here for Dub Bears. Mina says this season is all about evaluating their starting quarter. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. UFC 290 is Saturday night at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. It's another stacked car with two title fights. The main car begins at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific on pay-per-view with the prelims at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, ESPN, ABC, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. To order the main card in English and Spanish, go to ESPNPlus.com slash PPV. Back on NFL Live in time to some read and react to some news from around the NFL, starting in Buffalo, where Stephon Diggs made headlines last month by being excused from day one of minicamp. Here's what Josh Allen had to say about the incident this week on Bustin' with the Boys. Quote, I love him. That's my guy. The media has blown this so far out of proportion. We are in rookie or minicamp. We're not playing a game for four months. He doesn't show up for one day. He's still there. Coach asked him to go home. They're in talk. They're trying to resolve some things. It wasn't anything major, and the media blew it up. They're still talking about it. Let it go. Quote, all right, so, Jeremy, what's going on in Buffalo? Well, Josh Allen sounds like he's playing a little zone defense there trying to make this go away. But the truth is, there was a disruption. There was something going on. I had heard during the offseason that Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs probably needed to have a conversation. They did so during minicamp. It was tense that first day. But then the Bills believe that they resolved it, and they do expect Diggs there for minicamp. So they're moving forward at this point. I do love Josh Allen, by the way, but his head coach kind of started that whole thing with had his initial comment about Stephon Diggs. Next up with Dalvin Cook gone, Alexander Madison is poised to get a heavier workload in Minnesota this season. Here's what he had to say about the opportunity. Quote, for me, it's a great opportunity to step into the role, the limelight, and the position I've always dreamt of being. All the work I put into this point, all the work following in Cook's footsteps side by side, challenging each other every day, prepared me for a moment like this where I can have the opportunity to seize what's in front of me, In quote. Mina, do you anticipate a huge drop-off with Madison as the lead guy in Minnesota? I do not, um, in part because of what we've seen from Madison, but also and maybe in larger part because of how I expect defenses to play this Vikings offense 
Last year, uh, they faced a ton of light boxes, a lot of too high coverage, largely because of the existence of one Justin Jefferson, who's one of the best receivers in football. Now this year, you get a full season with TJ Hawkinson, and you get the first-round draft pick Jordan Addison as a secondary <laughs> wide receiver who can threaten deep. Defenses are going to be very afraid of the pass, and when defenses are afraid of the pass, it's easier to run. Yes, it is. To San Francisco next, where they could have three quarterbacks on the depth chart this fall. Brock Purdy and Trey Lance are both coming off injuries, as well as their newest addition, Sam Darnold. Darnold talked about his new role with his new team. It's been a work in progress. You know, I've thought I, uh, you know, got better throughout camp and, and just got more comfortable with the system. So. Um, you know, still got to study and, and go through the process of continuing to learn the system. And um, but I'm excited for it, and it's it's been really fun so far. Hawk, you think Sam Darnold's the right guy for this job? Uh, no, unfortunately for <laughs> Sam Darnold, he's on the wrong side of potential. Which in the NFL is more precious than diamonds. We've seen this movie in New York. We've seen this movie in Carolina. And while Kyle Shanahan loves a good project to show everybody he's in a league of his own when it comes to coaching, he would not have downgraded from Jimmy Garoppolo to Sam Darnold, mm. and that's just the fact of the matter. Man, the uh, 49ers quarterback room is crowded and uncertain, to put it kindly, right now as we get ready for training camp later on this month. Let's go to Chicago next, where the Bears are optimistic, given what they saw from Justin Fields last season. But fans could see a jump in Fields' performance earlier than expected. Chicago is the latest team to give their young quarterback a talented wideout in the offseason. Traded the number one overall pick this spring for DJ Moore, plus other picks. The others all followed up with a top five QBR ranking in their first season with their new weapon. The team hopes the decision to trade the top pick will, of course, pay off. Look at some of the other players we were discussing. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, teaming up with Jalen Hurts, and, of course, Tyreek Hill in Tua. As for GM Ryan Poles, he joked that after getting the job in 2022, he began sleeping in his offense office so he wouldn't miss a minute of prep. Quote, that was not healthy doing that last year. I don't ever want to go through that again. But it was necessary to get the job done. It's a little bit different approach. All right, so, of course, tongue-in-cheek right there, Hawk. But uh, all joking inside, what does success for this team look like this season? Uh, it, it looks like Ryan Pohl's getting home to get some rest in a real bed. Okay. I think, that's I think he is doing that thing. now. Absolutely, he should be. Now, he made the decision because he looked at the college quarterbacks that were available and he said, these guys aren't better than Justin Fields. Let's commit to him another year and let's actually start building this team. You do things that help anybody, which is add to the offensive line. You go get DJ Moore, who could be a good receiver for any quarterback back there. What they're looking for for Justin Fields this year is improvement. Mm. And if he improves enough in the passing game with all the new weapons, they can get a true evaluation from him. If not, they maybe have made that bed for another quarterback to come in and lay his head. I think Andrew nailed it, what the success looked like for the Bears this season. It's being able to evaluate Justin Fields, which up to this point has not been possible to give him a fair evaluation because of issues with the pass-cashing talent, offensive line, play calling earlier in his career. Now all of those pieces are in place. They've made improvements on the line. That's where they spent their first-round draft pick as well as some additions on the inside. They added D.J. Moore. They, they, I think, have made this wide receiver core a group that fits well with his skill set. And I think they figured out also how to call plays for him. Notice again that I said success is being able to evaluate him. This is, again, I agree with Andrew here. Even if Justin Fields doesn't have a great season, that doesn't mean the Bears' approach was incorrect. They will have 
information to work off of, which they didn't before. They will know who he is no. as a quarterback. Now, obviously, the dream outcome is that you give him the tools and he builds something. But even if he doesn't, I don't think that means this offseason was unsuccessful. And as Hawk said, it does set them up for next season. Yeah, I mean, the Bears are looking for decisiveness from Justin Fields in the pocket as a passer. They've reminded him, hey, if you have a guy open, if that window's there, pull the trigger, go with it, don't wait. And then you have that Superman cape, which is your rushing ability. You can use that when you need to, not using it unnecessarily. And then he becomes a true weapon and can make that jump. But overall, they've been really pleased with his offseason to the point where he took major ownership of the offense. He was changing plays at the line of scrimmage during OTAs and minicamp. He was showing more accuracy. So the Bears wholly believe that with more weapons around him, that he will flourish. Yeah, I can't wait to see what this Bears offseason looks like, not just the rest of the way this year, but even next offseason. Not to say anything about Justin Fields' future, but just because the powder is so dry still in Chicago, they have a ton of resources to continue to improve this roster. No. We expect it to be much better this year on. Hey, still to come here on NFL Live, DeAndre Hopkins still unsigned. But the Patriots continue to be in the mix for the star wideout here. Why Hawk says without Hopkins, New England does not stand a chance in the AFC East. Back on NFL Live, and let's take a look at Hawk and I working out before the show. Uh, oh, sorry, this is actually Saquon Barkley and Debo Samuel. Um, yeah, it looks so Any comment there? Yeah, I mean, it's basically our doppelganger. Basically. They move those sleds way too easily. I don't care if they're professional athletes. Like, are those inflated weights? Like, how are they doing this? Yeah. They could probably beat me pushing sleds, me just running right now. That, well, you, know, you, well <laughs> you were formerly the quickest person in the universe. Now, pretty fast still, but not as fast as Saquon Barkley and Debo Samuel still pushing sleds. Mm, a little that fast. Being, yeah, just, yeah, we're close, though. All right, Jeremy, that gets us right to some of our top stories around the NFL because, of course, Saquon Barkley's contract is still a thing. What's the latest with the Giants franchise tag play? Yeah, Phil, the people I'm talking to involved believe that this could very well go down to that July 17th deadline of 4 p.m., that 11th hour, because the Giants are a deadline team. They got a long-term deal done with Daniel Jones eight minutes before that franchise tag deadline wow. earlier this offseason. And so there's some sense of optimism they can get this done. They've been talking. But Barkley wants a stronger guarantee, stronger structure with his contract. We'll see if the Giants can bridge that gap. Next, we have Dalvin Cook. So I just checked in on this, and I was told that in the next week or so, things could intensify a little bit because he knows who's interested and who's not at this point. A lot of teams are certainly interested. So he'll begin his whittled-down process. Talks will intensify. They'll be more pointed about what his role would be, you know, what the cost would be, all those things. Certainly some AFC East flavor here. The Jets have done their homework and continue to. And many teams I talked to believe that he will eventually end up with the Miami Dolphins if they can pull that off. And lastly, DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm told the Tennessee Titans are pretty well positioned here. They've certainly remained in the mix. They remained in contact with Hopkins and his agent, Kelton Crenshaw. They have a need there. So, you know, there's some mutual interest. We'll see how it shakes out. The Patriots remain involved as well, but haven't closed the deal. So those two, my sense, are among the favorites right now. Kansas City Chiefs have been in contact a little bit. Certainly they would like to do it, but they don't have any money. You know, they're strapped against the cap. If they can get the Chris Jones extension done, that alleviates their cap, creates a lot of space where they could aggressively pursue him. So we'll see what happens. There's always money in the kitty when you are the Kansas City Chiefs and you are the champs. Time now for new on NFL Live is 
Maybe DeHop is kind of already ruling New England out as he took two threads. That's correct. Threads is the new app. I had this to say. I accidentally ate pork for the first time in eight years because I ordered clam chowder in Boston. Somebody should have told me it's bacon chowder. Hmm. Okay. That's <laughs> one way to think of it. As somebody who is from Subliminal Boston. Subliminal message. Delicious chowder. I'll tell you that much. It is one of the few things. One of the. Maybe not few. But one of the things that we do at a very high level on the culinary <laughs> scene back home. Uh, on the Patriots front, one thing they did not do uh, well was uh, converting. Once they reached to the uh, red zone last year, New England, how about this? They found the end zone on just 42% of their trips inside the 20, the worst rate in the entire league. Plus, as long as they were frequent visitors, their 45 trips to the red zone ranked bottom five in the league, and their 19 red zone touchdowns were the fewest of any team. So, Hawk, if the Patriots don't get DeAndre Hopkins, do they have enough firepower to compete in the AFC East? I don't think so. I mean, when you look at this division, there are so many talented teams. You have Aaron Rodgers there with the Jets, now the Miami Dolphins, who I think is one of the most talented, if not the most talented roster out there. And then you have Josh Allen in the Buffalo Bills. You can argue that the Patriots have the best defense in that division. You can also argue that they're fourth. One mm-hmm. thing you can't argue is that they are number four when it comes to offense because they don't have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins on the outside that gives Mac Jones a much-needed easy button that takes pressure off of these other wide receivers, off of this tight end duo, off of the run game, and off of, the, of a quarterback who is out to prove that he is not the problem. Yeah, the Patriots could really use DeAndre Hopkins. Andrew's absolutely right in that they, they lack a true number one wide receiver who can win on the boundary. Uh, but I, I would say this. I actually think they have an underrated group of skill players for what they want to do this year, what I suspect they're going to want to do on offense. This is a team that I think is going to live in 12 personnel, like some of those Patriots offenses mm. of yore with Bill O'Brien. Uh, and they do have a nice pairing in Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki. I also think they're going to lean heavily on RPOs, quick game, middle of the field, and Juju Smith-Schuster, while none of their receivers rank near the top of the NFL in separation period, on slants and hitches, he actually led all NFL wide receivers last year in separation in Kansas City. He gets open underneath, and this is an offense that I expect to operate underneath. It's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts, and it's not going to be sexy compared to Miami and Buffalo and New York. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's more efficient than people suspect uh, because of the upgrade and play calling and some of the personnel that they have added. I think you're completely right. I mean, I think they are better. I think they are better than last year. I think they've added a bunch of pieces. My question is, is that enough? And for people like Juju Smith-Schuster, when you are the main guy and people now are focusing on you, are you able to create that same separation without somebody like DeAndre Hopkins to take up a lot of out? attention on the outside. That's my biggest concern, and they're also in the best division in football. Yeah, Hawk, you talked about this a little bit earlier, though, just about the, the coordinator change and the fact that it's now Bill O'Brien taking yes. over from Matt Patricia, Patricia as the play caller. Just from your experience, I know you've obviously played with some really talented players, playing opposite of guys like A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins, kind of in that same breath as a player, but how much does the operation, does the play calling, does the system matter when, it, when, when we were looking at a quarterback that – his rookie season looked like he could be the real deal for a long time, and then last year took a big step backwards. What can we reasonably expect from Mac Jones this year? 
I, I think it does mean a lot. I think obviously the addition of Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator is going to give him a lot of stability. And a lot of the things he was frustrated about and struggled with was because he felt like he didn't have somebody directing the offense in that way. Yeah. Now, along those same lines, and I'm not making this a discussion about why we need DeAndre Hopkins. I think we all agree that that is going to be a huge help for someone like a Mac Jones. But when that scheme breaks down, when the Jimmys and the Joes mm. aren't uh, enough and the X's and O's aren't getting it done, you have a guy that you can literally throw it up to. And your A.J. Green comp is great because when I was in Cincinnati, it didn't matter. Like, yes, we had a great scheme. Yes, we had a great offense. But when the chips were down and we needed a play, we had someone we could just throw the ball up to. And DeAndre Hopkins has been that his entire career for every quarterback he's played with. I think that's well said. It's that difference of having that go-get-you-a-bucket guy that all the other teams in the AFC have that will are probably the difference between having what I, again, believe is going to be an efficient offense versus one that can put up points to compete with the likes of, you know, the Bills, the Chiefs, the other teams at the top of the AFC. Yeah. They do not have that guy on their roster right now. They should add it, DeAndre Hopkins. Jeremy, they're in a very healthy situation as it pertains to the cap. If not DeAndre Hopkins, are there any yeah. more moves that perhaps we should be monitoring for the Patriots? Well, they can certainly take some avenues to get better. I look at running back. You know, they like that one-two punch idea with Ramondre Stevenson, and they cut James Robinson recently. There are a lot of backs out there. Dalvin Cook, if they're willing to throw proper money at him. Leonard Fournette, all those guys. Ezekiel Elliott, potentially. And then you still have Jarvis Landry out there, a very accomplished receiver, really tough guy, kind of like Juju Smith-Schuster. They could bring him on. If Tennessee doesn't sign him, I could see him going to the Titans, potentially. Mm, okay. Jarvis Landry, potentially, to the Titans. There are a lot of big names still on the free agent market. We've got time for one more thing here on NFL Live. And the first day back for me means there's a new member of the NFL Live family. There's Palmer Duke Yates, 12 days old here. Uh, <laughs> oh. Does anybody know how you're supposed yes. to do Does it ever get back to normal, Hawk? Like, am I ever going to not be tired again? No. Okay. Settle in. Okay. Really? Ags under the eyes are coming. It's, I was, it's, I was it's hoping great, you would though. tell me that, yes, tomorrow <laughs> I'll feel great, rejuvenated. I'm a little bit rusty, but it's been wonderful to be back here on NFL Live. We appreciate awesome. all the kind Congrats words. That's non-sleep. You'll get live. Back tomorrow.